Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you, Father. Another day you gave us, Father. Everyone. Another day, Lord. It's a blessing. Even mom, Lord, you gave her another day. Not conscious, but on the tubes. But she's seeing another day, Lord. It's a gift for us who are here and for those who are in the ICU. One more day in the land of the living. We just thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Let everything that has breath. Oh, Father, praise you, worship you, adore you, and give you glory and honor, power and praise. It's yours and yours alone, oh, Father. This morning, we commit ourselves for the hearing of the word and to be used as an instrument to pray through, Father. Commit everyone here online, those who will listen later, continue to teach us, continue to equip us for this time and the days ahead, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So, back to warfare mode. Okay, if you have your settings in your system, put it on no, your phone on airplane mode and your system on warfare mode. Because if I'm right, there is 1,189 verses in the Bible. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Not verses, chapters in the Bible. Can't be 1,189 <laughs> chapters in the Bible, okay? Or which the first two chapters and the last two chapters are only chapters where there is no war. Okay? The first two chapters and the last two chapters. Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22 are the only chapters where there is peace. The rest is all from Revel Genesis 3 15 to Revelation 29, war is going on. Okay, so if you are, don't know that you are at war, you're already defeated. You're already a captive. There's no escape. Already many of the war battles of the flesh. There are battles of the mind. There are battles of the spirit. And all these children sitting over there, already you lost the first battle. I don't know why you are late. No exams, no school, nothing. You're still late. Late. Practically came after worship. That is battle preparation. Okay. Don't make excuses for the flesh. I was telling. I don't know why you were late. I was telling Sammy, why are they late? I slept at one in the morning. Because by the time Amma's IV was over, even the technician fell asleep. The maid fell asleep. Everybody fell asleep. I woke them all up, said it is over, now go. <laughs> Lock the gate. I was still up in the morning, did my chores, cooked the breakfast, checked on mom, finished my word, and I was here by 8.10. That's your excuse. Already lost your first battle. I'm telling you, you don't get this disciplines and order in life. You will keep on losing. When you are young, get this all in place. Because we are at war, war for our soul, war for our destiny. 
so that we can hear that six or seven words at that day. Well done. Well done. You did well. So until Jesus comes and establishes peace, there's a season of peace for a thousand years, and then again there is war. But final war, and then it's eternal peace. Okay, so you can see this has so many different ways. It's a book of prophecy, it's a book of doctrine, it's a book of war, war manual. Okay, war manual. And there is war in heaven, there is war on earth. And then in the war on earth, there is war between nation after nations, groups of nations against groups of nations. And then there is war between families and war in families. <laughs> it's all there. If you go to Matthew chapter 10, 34 to 36 and then 37. Okay. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That means war. This is in the home. I have come to set a man against his father. Terrible, no? How painful it is when a son turns against the father. A daughter against her mother. Painful. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Not so much painful, but a lot more chaos. A man's enemies will be those of his own house. So it's war. It's war going on. Okay. Verse 37. Okay. Because verse 37 will will tell you the reason. The reason is God is proving to us who do you love most? Who do you love most? Love God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength. That is the first and the greatest commandment. And once you believe that and step forward and confess, Lord, I love you, the battle begins. The battle begins. Okay, you need to understand. And then there are battles within churches, inside the church. That is First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 19. Okay. There must be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. So even apostles like Paul and Barnabas have to fight so that we will know Paul is recognized and not Barnabas. People will go off a tangent, son of encouragement, he was encouraging. And the problem is the Bible does not record him after that fight. He just disappears. So we have to understand everywhere there are battles going on. There are battles inside you. Battle of the flesh, the battle of the mind, the battle of the spirit. All these battles are going on. You cannot escape it. It's a reality after the fall. Peace is when Jesus comes. We heard, no, when Jesus comes, that's a temporary coming into our lives. But there is an eternal coming and the kingdom is his forever and ever. So don't forget that. What you are fighting for and what you are fighting against. Ephesians 6.12 We are not fighting flesh and blood, but we are fighting against powers, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Get this picture. So you don't just sit there like a pickle in the jar. Okay, listen carefully because a day, an hour will come where God has to bring to your room. Because one day you'll all go to different places. You'll grow up, get married, the battles will begin. All kinds of battles will fail. If you don't know how to fight, you will lose. You will lose. Okay, so learn. We are fighting 
not against. We are fighting for man and fighting against powers of darkness. Okay? And it doesn't matter what your age is. A young boy like Samuel can be a warrior at that tender age because he understands. God is able to speak to him and raise him during the all the days. If you look at all the days that young boy to an old man, he is alive. The Philistines couldn't overcome Israel because one man stood there in between Israel and the powers of darkness because he was trained right from the beginning how to win these wars. So don't look at your age. Okay. So please remember, outwardly, even though it may look sometimes we are fighting men, inwardly you should never fight man. The problem is not outside. The problem is inside you need to know who are you fighting for. That's why God always, right from Genesis 4 onwards, when man is cast out, there's no war in the garden. The war all begins outside, okay? It's one brother fighting another brother. He looks at what is hidden first before he looks at what is outside, right? He looks into the heart and looks into the hand. Then he receives Abel and rejects Cain. That's always, okay? Everything that is hidden is not bad. Yesterday you've heard about hidden things, right? Reha was a prostitute, a Canaanite. Achan was an Israelite. Rahab hid the two spies and therefore she was redeemed. Achan, the Israelites, hid the accursed thing, therefore he was destroyed. There are certain things you should hide in your heart. And that will redeem you. Certain things you should never hide because that will destroy you. So understand the pictures in the Bible. Understand the pictures in the Bible. Because we are at war. We are at war. A prostitute was redeemed. A Israelite was destroyed. But if you look outwardly, both of them were hiding. So it was not the hiding that mattered. What mattered was what were they hiding. One hid the holy things, the two spies, the holy things of God. The other one hid the accursed things of God. Okay? So there is a pattern in the Bible and we have to learn from this pattern. Okay? We have to learn from this pattern. What are we fighting for? Who are we fighting against? So outwardly, even if it looks you're fighting man, inwardly you should never fight. Outwardly it looks everywhere Apostle Paul went or Jesus went, it looked as he was fighting the Jews. But he was not. Inwardly his cry God heard, I wish Lord that I, my name is taken out and outwardly it looked as if Moses and the people are always in conflict. But Moses' heart, you look, he's crying, Lord, let my name be taken out and there. So outwardly it's not what fundamentally matters. It's inwardly that matters. So outwardly, even if it looks that we are fighting against man, we are not. We should never be. We are fighting for man. And we should be always fighting against powers of darkness. Among the blessings pronounced in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Okay, now we hear it and we go in a different tangent, which doesn't make any sense in the kingdom of God. Who are the peacemakers? The peacemakers are the warriors, the soldiers. Because you cannot have peace without war. 
once sin has corruption, once rebellion took place in heaven, and then it entered into man, you cannot have the peace that God is talking about unless you're willing to fight. So who are the peacemakers? The peacemakers are those who are the spiritual warriors. I'll show you one peacemaker, okay? One true peacemaker who are actually involved in spiritual warfare. If you go to Luke chapter 3 and read from 86 to 88, Yeah, Luke chapter 3. Oh, one, I always... Okay, no, no, not one. Definitely not one. Okay, go to Luke chapter... Uh, uh, 2, 2, 2. Okay, it is not uh, uh, 80, sorry. 36 to, 36 to 38, okay? I wrote it as 3, it became 8. Okay. Now there was one Anna a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years old. So we don't know how old she is. About, she was a widow of, widow of, was she a widow? She was married for seven years and then she's been a widow for 84 years. Is she 91 or she's 84? We don't know. There's a seven years mentioned over there. This white system. Your age does not matter. You could be so old. 84 years. Timothy Keller died uh, two days back. He was 72. Okay? 72. She is 84. Tomorrow my mother will turn 87. Complete 87. Start 88. Okay? Your age does not matter. She's 84 years old over there. But what is she? She is serving God with fastings and prayers night and day. Remember, she's a warrior. She's a warrior. She's, look at three things. One, look at her age. Your gender does not matter in spiritual warfare. Only men are called to fight, yes. In the physical realm, in the army, it's better men fight than getting all this gender confusion, getting women inside. We don't want equity in those places because the enemy does not look at your gender. Okay, it's a, it's a stupid thing to bring this equity into these kind of things. Okay, because it was not meant for women to fight this physical battle. That was a man's job because because he, when a man is out on the battlefield, he's fighting for his home, for his wife and his children. So his motivation is different. When we bring this gender equity into areas where we should never bring, there will be so much confusion. Okay, But in spiritual warfare, it does not matter. This is a woman of 84 years old. And first remember her place. Where is she fighting from? The temple. She is in the temple. So there is an appointed place where you are in the kingdom of God. You are in the kingdom of God. You are in a church. And from that appointed place, she's serving God. And how is she serving? She's serving God with fastings and prayers. So she has two weapons. Three weapons, actually. She has the word of God because she's a prophet, a prophetess, meaning she utters. Because if you don't have the word of God, you cannot utter and hear and utter what God is saying. Two, she prays. And she fasts. So she has three weapons in her hands. And who is she serving? God. Who is she fighting for? The people. At that instant she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption 
in Jerusalem. So what she's fighting for? She's fighting for the salvation, the redemption. What are we fighting for? We are fighting not men. We are fighting for men and women and children. What? Their salvation. So you see, blessed is she. She's a peacemaker. How can you be a peacemaker? Because of her battle, all those who were waiting and longing for the redemption of Israel, she was able to point Jesus to them. So they would have peace with God. So she's a peacemaker. She's a peacemaker. Okay. And so many other, most of the people sitting here are ladies. Girls or older or whatever. So many listening online also today. Most people who will be listening will be women. Because men may be out at work, the women are at home and they are listening. The thing is that you can be a peacemaker. You can be involved in war. You can be positioned spiritually in the church and give your life over in fastings and prayer and fight for the redemption of God's people. You can choose to be part of the warfare. Set apart a time. Set apart a time. Something which I keep telling people. Like I said in church yesterday, I said last week also, Pray for others. Stop praying for yourself. Don't be so self-indulgent in your prayer life. I'm not saying don't pray for your needs, but let it be last in your list. In your list, you know, put others. That is Anna. She's not praying for herself. She's praying for others. And she's a peacemaker. Okay? She's a warrior. She's a peacemaker. And she is positioned herself and God is able to reveal through her. Okay, because if you want deliverance, yesterday also we heard about deliverance, okay, because you are fighting for deliverance. If you want deliverance, deliverance will only come after a conflict. The problem is you, you need to want deliverance because so many people love captivity. Love captivity. Okay, captive of the flesh, captive of the mind, captive of the spirit. They love captivity. If you love captivity, you are not part of the solution. You are part of the problem. You have to ask yourself, am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? If you love captivity, you are part of the problem. Like Solomon would say, if you love sleep, you are a part of the problem. You are not a part of the solution. If you hate work, you are part of the problem and not part of the solution. Okay, these are the battles of the flesh. Then comes the battles of the mind. Okay, so we are at war. And all battles are not the same. Okay, today is Monday, continuation of Sunday, because it's Sunday and another place, so pay attention. Okay, all the battles are not the same, though they may look same. The forces we fight also are not the same. We look at two, we are continuation. Okay, look at 6.12, Ephesians 6.12 and Colossians 1.16. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but, okay, now the powers we are fighting against are mentioned. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, okay, every age, the, the spiritual powers also change according to the age. Okay, they will bring, like the struggles you are facing in your teenage are not the struggles we faced in our age because we didn't face your struggles. And you didn't face our struggles. Okay, so there are rulers of darkness of that particular age. 
okay particular age okay and if you want if you want to put it a, a example though the powers are the same they will also change or change the age like we like i also in my childhood traveled in a car you also travel in a car i also travel in a car now but the car we traveled was called a fiat or an ambassador right the car in which you travel today you don't find those cars anywhere on the road if you find it everybody is looking because it's look like a museum piece but it's still a car but that power of darkness of that age and the power of darkness of this age just has changed its appearance and become more technically perfect model has changed and they are much more equipped because you know what powers of darkness from my age to this age has got around 50 years of experience with mankind to fine tune how to attack better how to bring down mankind better because they are also learning they are not fools they don't sleep neither slumber they are learning 24/7 through experience of how to bring mankind down so we are fighting a series and then what spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places in the spiritual realm okay now go to colossians 1:16 this is talking about jesus for him by him all things were created that are in heaven that are on earth visible and visible invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers now if you look in ephesians 6:12 you don't see thrones or dominions mentioned there okay and what is mentioned there first is principalities and subsequent order here principality and the rest are put under powers that actually means thrones and dominions did not rebel against god they did not rebel against god if you flip to revelation 4 where you have an open vision of heaven when through john we see heaven this is how it begins 4:1 to 5 we will read yeah after these things i looked and behold a door standing open in heaven the first voice which i heard was the like a trumpet speaking with me saying come up here i will show you things which must take place after this immediately i was in the spirit okay the holy spirit is picking his spirit out of his out of body experience he's having took his spirit out and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne first you see one throne and there is god sitting there he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance missing human words cannot explain so he's trying to compare to the most precious and color and glory on earth to compare something which you cannot compare in appearance there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald around the throne were 24 thrones okay so there are thrones remember thrones by him was created all thrones and dominions and principalities and powers so so there were 24 thrones in which were sitting 24 elders they never rebelled against god from the beginning till today they never have rebelled against god against god okay so there are powers in heaven that have rebelled against god and powers in heaven that never rebelled against god okay clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads and then and from the throne proceeded lightnings and okay which are the seven spirits of god now if you come to chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2 you will see something else happening over there okay and then 4 and 5 i saw in the right hand of him because then jesus will come 
into the picture. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seal. So this strong angel for me is the dominion. There are strong angels over there. They are not the thrones, but they have been given dominion. Dominion means authority. They have been given dominion. The strong angel makes a loud cry. Who is worthy to open the scroll to lose its seals? I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Neither the thrones or the dominions could open the throne open the book. But one of the elders, one of the elders sitting on the thrones said, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed. So to open that scroll, Jesus had to prevail, which means he had to fight and win. Even he had to, because he came in the flesh. Please understand these concepts. Even Jesus did not randomly go and say, I am the son of God. Let me open the scroll. God says, win and come. Win and come. If the Son of God, pure and holy and righteous, had to fight his battles, overcome them to be found worthy to open the scroll, do you think we are just going to be randomly enter into heaven and sit on thrones? We are deciding our eternal destiny. He was found. And now, okay, so Jesus is the ultimate warrior. It's the ultimate warrior. Okay, so we need to understand this fundamental thing. Now children are sitting over here, okay? Now this, there are three things any child can do. One, you can read, and especially when you are children, memorize. One of you wrote me, you know, we have been given this assignment for this year. Psalm 119 or the book of Romans, Ganpa, which should I choose? Okay, so because you can memorize now. Your mind is like a sponge. This is the age to memorize. So you can memorize the word. You can fast at least one meal a week. And you can pray simple prayers which God will hear. Prayer does not have to be complex. It's very simple. You lead the Lord's prayer, it's very simple. God will hear. You can do three things. Through mighty weapons of warfare in the hand of a child can be very powerful. What is that? Memorize scripture. Pray fast. Once a week. If you want to do more than that, up to you. Up to, with you and your mother. Because the mother is the one who cooks. No? With you and your mother. And third, you can pray. You don't have to wait till you're 84 years old and a widow of many years. You can start now. And God will be framing you. Meaning, by the time if you survive that long and Jesus delays to come, you will be a mighty warrior who can actually point Jesus to people. This is he. Which the priest couldn't see, the high priest couldn't see, the Levites couldn't see, nobody could see. You could show Jesus to the people because you had a life of these three things. The word, prayer and fasting. Okay, So don't take these things lightly. And little children, no. When you hear these things, you go and surrender and say, Lord, I want to be a warrior. And on that day, God will say, blessed are you. You are a peacemaker. You shall be called the sons, the daughters of God. He who, in, he who overcomes shall inherit all. And I shall be his father. And he shall be my son. 
How did he inherit? Because he was in battle mode all his life. He was a praying girl, a praying woman, a praying boy, a praying man. See, that is eternal. It is forever and ever. Every crown you receive on earth is just temporal. If joy does not even last, let me ask you, Sister Anna sitting over, how long did the joy of a new car last? Now it is worry, right? I have to go. What do I do? Nothing lasts on earth. Nothing lasts on earth. That is the nature of anything you receive on earth. It is temporal. It just vanishes away. And some of the things you rejoice yesterday, you worry today. Hmm? Worry today. But when God is talking about it is for ever and ever and ever. Keep your eyes on things that are above. Okay? So that is Jesus. So remember, purpose. We are fighting for and fighting against. Know your position. Know your weapons of war. Okay? Because we have to understand these things. That's why the Bible is an awesome book. I don't know how you find the word of God boring. I understand, like, you know, it is like watching these uh, classic kind of movies. After the movie is over, you wonder, what was it all about? It's like these paintings, there are movies also made, okay? And so those movies are screened specially for a few people who pretend they understand when they don't understand. Nobody will go for this film festival, some of these movies. Only these fellows who are writing that column in the newspaper goes for these movies. Okay, the Bible is not like that. The Bible is a very simple book. Okay, and if you understand, like it is, it talks about the, if you go into the world who are pagans, everybody is going to the astrologer. They open the newspaper and will read the tarot card over there. Everybody is interested in the future. Most futuristic book tells you exactly what is going to happen. Nobody reads it. Instead, they will go to the astrologer. Okay. How to be successful now and forever. This is the book. No, you go waste your money paying through your nose to find, go to these classes, how to be successful. Okay. How to fight and win life's battle. Here is it. Okay. Yes, it is here. And children, I'm telling you, little children, if you are good enough to start on, I will tell you what to do. Simple thing, Grandpa is telling, okay? Memorize from KJV, read good news. Memorize KJV. Okay? Memorize KJV, read good news. Or one of the simpler translations, so you are not memorizing alone, you also understand roughly for your age what you are memorizing. Okay. Don't memorize good news. Okay. Don't do the ulta. Memorizing good news and reading KJV. No, don't do that. Memorize KJV. Okay. You see, look at Grandpa. He began for five, five years. No, 83 to 90. How many years is that? Seven years. Good news Bible. And still is a pastor teaching pastors. Okay. Grandpa did not know for so many years there was a version called King James Version. What did he have? Good news. 
And it was good news. Okay. Okay. So I'm telling you, children, read what you can understand, but memorize KJV. Okay. So we need to understand how it works. Okay. So when you talk about the result of a battle is deliverance and peace. Peace is what you experience inside and what you experience outside is called deliverance. Okay, it's called deliverance. Let me tell you about three things God does. It's God who does. Okay, one. He delivers us from the power of Satan. Picture Israel out of Egypt. Two. He delivers Satan into our hands. Then, when you go wonky, he delivers you into the hand of Satan. All three God does. Be careful. God does all three. He delivers us from Satan. Right? He delivers. That is called salvation. One day, in one day, Israel was out of Egypt. Okay? Israel out of Egypt. He Delivered Satan into your hands, the powers of darkness into your hand. We look at Old Testament and New Testament to corroborate, okay? Joshua chapter 1, 2 to 5, 6 to 8, 1, 10, 8. Okay? Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, arise, go over this land, you and all these people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Okay? Now, this battle is not in Egypt. This battle is somewhere else. I'm every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. So he talks about that. This is what he is giving the powers of darkness into your hands. Now go to Luke 10, 18 and 19. First 18. After these things, yeah, 10, 18. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What is that? Your salvation. He lost his power. He was to God's child now. He lost it. These people have come out of ministry and they're all excited. They say, yeah, salvation is coming. The day salvation comes, it's an instantaneous experience. How does Satan fall out of your life? Like lightning. Gone. He lost his grip over you. After that, it's all pretense. But he knows he's lost his grip over you because now, one second you are the child of the devil, another second you are the child of God. He fell like lightning. Out of your life. And then he says, I give you authority now to trample upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, this is Satan delivered into our hands. The first is called justification by faith. The other is a long drawn out battle which is called sanctification. That's a battle. So you have to make yourself very clear, where am I in this? Okay? For the first battle, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Okay? It's entirely God's business. There's nothing you can do. It's entirely the work of Jesus Christ. All you can do is believe and obey what he tells you. It's his battle. In Egypt... He delivers us for us to get out. 
the promised land, he delivers the enemy into our hands for us so that we can get in and possess what is rightfully our inheritance. You cannot fight to get out. That is God's job. It's nothing. So all the people are trying to get people saved and it's not working. I've been praying. Just leave it alone. Just pray. You cannot pull your father or a mother into the kingdom of God. It's not possible. All you do is you have to pray and fast and fight the powers of darkness so that atmosphere is clear and one day they will see and they will believe happens. But you cannot fight with them and argue with them and say you are hard-hearted. All that is irrelevant. They will become even more hard-hearted. It won't work. It's supernaturally. Salvation always will be supernaturally the work of God and man will have no part in it. No part in it. Okay? In the second one, please remember, we have a very big part in it. God fights with us. No, Lord, please, please, Lord. Will you do this sanctification work solely like you did salvation? God says, no, we fight together. I will do my part. You will do your part. We will fight together. Go to the biggest battle in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 10, 10 to 12. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, struck them down as far as Akiza and Makeda. See, it is God and Israel. And it has happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon, the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. So there is God fighting with you. Hailstones from above, swords from below. Okay, so Israel is fighting. God is fighting with them. So in the sanctification battle of the saint, you cannot fight this battle alone. And God won't fight this battle alone. We fight together. And in that battle, God will go to any extent when he sees your zeal for sanctification. He will even stop time for you. He stopped, son stopped, and he listened to Joshua. Listen to Joshua. Okay, so you need to understand this is how it works. God is fighting with you. Okay. Then there is this third one. Where God is not delivering you, he's delivering you in the hands of the enemy. It's a dangerous one. Judges chapter 2. 11 to 14. 3, 12 to 14, 4, 1 to 2. Then the children of Israel, not the children of Egypt. Have you noticed the children of Egypt do evil in the sight of God and serve the Baals and God does nothing to them? He doesn't do anything to them. He leaves them alone. Then the children of Israel, the ones in the church, the ones who are saved, the ones who have received Jesus as the Lord and Savior, when they do evil in the sight of the Lord and serve the gods of this world, that is the Baals, what does God do? They forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. They bowed down to them. They provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he, who delivered? 
into the hands of the plunder. That's what you are seeing happening in all the Christian nations. You know what God did to Europe? He handed them over. You know what is happening in America? Is fighting for its life. He is ready to hand them over unless the church wakes up. It's not happening in other countries. Because there this is not connected with people in the world. This is connected with people in the kingdom. So when we go against God, do evil in the sight of God, and start serving the gods of this world through our flesh, what does God do? He hands us over. You turn to chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. 4, 1 and 2, the same thing. The children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he handed them over and the children of Israel served for 18 years. How long will your captivity as a child of God last? It's in your hands. In your hands. They go into captivity. Are you a child of God? Yes. Are you free? No. Who handed you over? Your father did. Who empowered the enemy to defeat you? Your father did. Okay, please understand. These are not small things. These are. Go to Romans chapter 1. Verses 21 to 24, then 26, and then 28. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. So these are not people who did not know God. These are people who knew God. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools, changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, what did he do? God gave or delivered. Now, God is not delivering you out of Egypt. God is not giving the Satan into your hands. God is delivering you into his hands. Gave them over. Verse 26, he gave them for this reason God gave them up. In verse 28, he, even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, gave them over to a DBs. This is, there are two ways it, you have to look at the pattern. Okay, please understand. This is how it happens. First, he gives your body over. And you still do not repent and turn back. He will give your mind over. The mind doesn't go first in this case. You lose in your body first. And that should be a warning. A lot, a lot, lot, lot. Your mind is still functional. Your mind is still fighting your body. The flesh is very weak. You're giving into the flesh. But the mind is not accepting it. The mind is constantly because it knows the word of God. It is fighting. But when you don't do that, what happens after some time? He gives the mind also over. Okay. Gives the mind over. Now who did this? God did this. First Corinthians chapter 5, 4 and 5. Learning. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such one. Who is he? In the church. Church member. Saved. Not unsaved fellow. Saved. Genuine fellow. Saved. And deliver such a one to whom? Satan. This is also deliverance. But this is the deliverance we don't want. You are delivered out of Egypt. Satan is delivered into your hands. Now you are delivered into Satan's hands. 
for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit will be no may be saved in the day of the lord hand him over to satan hand him over to satan okay so understand how these battles work because at the end of the battle is basically deliverance first battle you are delivered out of the power of satan out of egypt you have come out second satan is delivered into your hands the daily battle you stand on the promise behold i give over you power over all the power of the enemy you shall trample upon snakes and scorpions they shall bind that is the 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 promise under which you fight and you get up some battles you lose but you rise up and you fight again because it is written over all the power of the enemy therefore you fight and there is this other one you don't you are saved you are very complacent you don't want to fight this battle so what happens your flesh is pulled towards the gods of flesh okay your body is it's a, you have lost the battle that's why fasting is so important because the body is pulled into pleasure like i said sleep is a pleasure who doesn't like sleeping everybody likes sleeping There's nobody in this world who does not like sleeping, but you have to fight it. You have to fight it because if you don't fight it, that is that one thing alone is enough to destroy you. You don't need to, you don't need two things in the flesh. People don't realize there are simple things in the flesh, and we think it's very simple. But that simple thing will steal your destiny, or like Isaac eating, will destroy your destiny. Why? If sleep does not give you pleasure, nobody will sleep. If eating does not give you, let me give, tell you from today onwards, lunch, dinner, whole week, you are only getting bitter gourd. You can eat it whichever way you want, boiled, fried, only bitter gourd. Suddenly, we'll say we are on a fast. Why? Because it's not giving you any pleasure. So you need to realize. the pleasure in itself is not the problem but you become a slave to it you become a slave to it and what happens you lose your battle you lose your battle and then what happens god hands you over because now god is not fighting for you that's the first one he's not fighting with you <laughs> he's fighting against you that's a very dangerous place to be If you're fighting against God, one thing is guaranteed: defeat. In case one, that's the first battle. All you do is be still, believe, get out. Case two, move forward, always forward, never backward. Case three, repent. Revival will come. okay so this is a individual thing okay primarily this is not a corporate thing it's not even a family thing because in the family itself there are five people five people may be caught at different stages so it's a very personal thing so i cannot make a judgment about anyone i can make only a judgment about myself that itself may be wrong that's where you need the holy spirit to show you where you are okay so we have to first identify where am i Remember the first question God asked man, "Where are you? Where are you?" Adam has lost the battle. You are supposed to win the battle. Tend to the garden and watch over it. No intruders allowed. He fell. Now he is hiding. So the first question is, "Where are you?" 
identify. Am I in Egypt? Am I on the road? Or has God delivered me? That's the first. Okay. Where am I? Acts 26.18 will put it across this. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. We are released from one power into the power of God. That is stage one. Okay, Please understand this. In Egypt, all the battles were fought by God through Moses. And Moses being a type of Jesus Christ. Everything was. The only thing the people were asked to do was kill the Passover lamb. First, kill the Passover lamb. Two, take the blood, apply it on the doorposts, the threshold, lentils of their house, eat it, and stay inside. Okay? That's all they were asked to do. Exodus chapter 6, 12, verses 6 to 8 and 23. 12, 6 to 8. Yeah. Chapter 12, 6 to 8, and then verse 23. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the house where they eat it. And then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs they shall eat it. And after that, what they are supposed to do? Stay inside. What will God do? God will pass through and strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. This was entirely God's doing. All was done by God. The Passover lamb was killed by us on the cross. Okay? There are two groups over there. Uh, three groups over there. One, the Romans. It's representing the government. Second, the, the high priest and the priestly class representing the religious class and the crowd representing the congregations. All three got together for one thing for once. The Romans and the Gentiles and the Jews. The government, the clergy and the congregation got together in history only once. That was to kill the Passover lamb. And we were all part of it. Don't say I wasn't there. We were there. We were there. What did we do? We killed the Passover lamb. Okay. And now what, what does God say? He says, partake of me. Partake of his life. Apply the blood and stay inside. You are safe. You are safe. Next, once they got out, remember they didn't have to fight any battles. Once they got out, it's a different journey altogether. There's a battle is beginning. There's a battle on the way. Okay, there are battles and struggles on the way. It's a wilderness journey. Okay, before you reach the promised land from the day of your salvation, there is a journey. From Exodus 14 to the practically the whole book of Numbers till Deuteronomy is a story of theirs, of those who wandered, and those who were among them, who were not wandering. It's a long. Now we'll say, Pastor, God is also very good. See, some of you, I know, some of you, because we all did it when we were young. Okay, Some of you won't read your textbook. You'll go buy a guide. Hmm? Okay, You'll buy a guide, which gives you the same thing, very concise. 
I know people who have passed exams who have never read their textbook. Like for us, like for my PG, we had all the 36 plays of Shakespeare, all his sonnets has prescribed syllabus, of which you can pick any four. And I know people who passed who never read any one of them. What did they do? They went and bought a guide, which gives it in concise form. God being a father and he is being the guide, he knows most people will not read numbers because they don't like numbers. All are not like Pastor Vijay. We don't like numbers. They won't read Neuteronomy. Leviticus makes them levitate. So they won't read these things. Okay? So God in his wisdom and in his loving mercies put it very concise form. What is this? In this journey, what do you have to win? How did they lose? Go to First Corinthians chapter 10. First, verses 1 to 5. Okay? Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were. No, this is, they have left Egypt. This is not the story of Egypt. This is not the story what happened in Egypt. This is what happened after they left Egypt. So this is not what God did there. This is what God did afterwards. They were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. So you came through your waters of baptism. You were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You all ate the same food, which is the rock that followed them. That was Christ. The same food, the same water. But... That's a problem. With most of them, God was not pleased. Who are these most of them? The ones who were saved. Picture. Those who were saved. Those who came out of Egypt. He was not pleased. And what happened? Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. For 2000 years, the bodies of people who had saved were scattered in the wilderness. Those who did not enter into their inheritance. Scattered. Why? Why? Five things are mentioned. Listen carefully. Those who will not enter into their inheritance. Five things are mentioned. Very concise. God in his mercy gave us the guide. He said, if you don't have the time or the patience or the inclination to read Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, I will give you in five verses, he says. What was your problem? Now, these things became whose examples? Our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. First thing. First thing, be careful. I have brought you out of this world. I have brought you out of Egypt. Don't lust after evil things like those people lusted in the desert. It is not whether you have it, whether you have the capacity to buy it. The question is whether you are longing for it. Because if you are longing for it, if you have the capacity, you will buy it. They did not have the capacity simply because they were in the desert. First warning, they lusted after evil things. Okay, are they saved people? Yes. What did they lust after? Evil thing. Second, do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, they sat down to eat. Drink and rose up to play. You know what? They were pleasure seekers. And God put three things over there. Eating, drinking and playing. Eating, drinking, play. Simple, 
and then you can add subsections to it. But three simple things people do commonly. Everybody does commonly. We eat, we drink, and we play. And he says, these three things will destroy your destiny if you don't have a handle on this. Give a mobile gaming thing into the hands of people. They can play and play and play and play and play and play for hours together. Movie after movie after movie after movie. They can. They are idolaters. What do they idolize? They idolize pleasure. It's a story told about a king in ancient Indian history. He, You see, Indians love sweets. That is any state except Northeast. Any state you go, you will see all kinds of varieties of sweets. India is famous for its sweets. There is no country in the world that is addicted to sweets. Okay, before sugar came in, we were jaggery addicts. Everything was made with jaggery sweets. So there is a story about a king who loves sweets. Okay, so what happens? His stomach can't hold it anymore. So he lies in his couch with his mouth open with two servants, with two spoons. One is pouring the sweet into his mouth, the other is taking it out. He just wants his sensation. Okay. You know how the Roman age was that the Romans once became the world conquerors of that age in that area. They were destroyed by their love of pleasure. They imploded, literally. You know what they used to do when eating? They can eat down to their gills. Then they go out, they put their finger in, throw up, wash their mouth, come back and eat again. Now, you know what? It didn't happen in one day. They didn't become that in one day. There was a process. It didn't happen to Isaac in one day. It didn't happen to Isaac in one day. So this is what you're talking about. What happened? They ate... They drink and they rose up to play. So God is giving under three headings. He say, pick your, your own. Don't be a idolater. An idolater is, that's why in India we have 33 supposedly, I don't know who counted it, 33 crore gods. Each god is according to a man's pleasure. He picks his god. Every house does not have the same god. Even if they have all this idol, one is big because that is what he is after. Or she is after. So we need to understand that's how it works. Idolaters. The next one. Verse 8. The third one. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some did. And in one day 23,000 fell. Today that is the reigning spirit. Captivated by that. Ice. Flesh has been captivated by that. It has been. People are now fighting all around the world, to legalize every form of sexual perversion. Fighting even in the Supreme Court of India. Fighting. And God said, be careful. And the churches have already, mainline churches have already lost the battle in legalizing perversion. Understand that. Okay? That is the fourth one. Right? Now, third one. Fourth one. Let us, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by these serpents. God says, don't tempt me. Don't test me. Don't test me. That's what I said. Don't confuse God's patience with his tolerance. He's not tolerant. He's just patient. Just, okay, God says, don't tempt me. Because, you know, 
First time they did, God didn't do anything. Second time they did, God didn't do anything. Third time they rebel, they didn't go to. Fourth time they rebel, God didn't do anything. Fifth time, they said, oh, this God is cool. We want a God like that. We can do whatever we want. God doesn't do it. Seventh time, eighth time, ninth time, tenth time. God said, that's it. It's over. None of you above the age of 18 or 20 will enter into the promised land. None of you will wander here and you will die because I will be faithful to my promise. I brought you out. I won't let you go back. But I will see that every one of you die here. He says, don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. It's like if, it's like the father. Because the actual story, Kerala's story, the father, I think he had four or four children. Okay, four children or five children. Father, mother, and four children. And the children are all fighting in the car. Why? Because everybody wants the window seat. You know, you get into the train also, these things happen, right? Everybody wants the window seat. He says, there are only three windows for the passengers and five people are fighting for it. Because I told you stop fighting. So today he said, all of you go inside, lock them inside. I and your mother are going out. You all stay and stare out of the windows of the house. Don't tempt me anymore. Okay? They tempted God. And the fifth one, yeah, verse 8, sorry, uh, verse uh, 10. Do not complain as some. So did you see how good God is? He took Exodus 14 to Deuteronomy 33, 32, and compressed it and gave it us in five verses. This is what they did. This is what they did. Five things. Five things. Don't do these five things. Don't do these five things. Because these are the wilderness journey. The wilderness journey is not the actual battle. It is a preparation for the actual battle. See, in the wilderness journey, they didn't possess anything. They didn't possess anything. So we are in the fighting in the wilderness and we say we are fighting for Jericho. No, you are not fighting Jericho. You haven't even reached there. You are in the wilderness. In the wilderness. That's what I said. We each we need to know where. Am I in Egypt? Okay, yesterday somebody asked this question. Yeah. And brother asked this question. He says, Pastor, I have friends who all say they believe. But they, I don't see any signs of belief in them. Why is it? I said, because when it comes to salvation, you believe with your heart. There are a lot of people who have believed with their heads, but they have never believed with their heart. So they are not saved. You ask them, they will give you all the scriptures just like this. But they don't believe in their heart. Salvation is not of the head. Sanctification is of the head. The renewal of the mind. Salvation is of the heart. God didn't say, I will give you a new mind. He said, I will give you a new heart. He said, a lot of people sitting in the church have never believed in their heart. They believed in their head. And because they believed in their head, they think they are saved. But when you look at them, nothing. Nothing has changed in their life. They're exactly the way they were 
always simply because there was never a change of heart. That's why you have to be very, very careful to ask, like I said, just because you sit in a garage, you don't become a car. Just because you sit in a church for 15 years does not make you a believer. You just acquired knowledge in your head and you can spout it like a parrot. The parrot can speak whatever you train it. It doesn't make it a human. It's still a parrot. Right? Parrot. That's why when I see all these videos of, you know, like this, you no know, five-year-old child will come and recite Psalm 119. We all clap our hands. Good for you. You memorized it well. That doesn't mean the child is saved. Good. Let it memorize now. But don't confuse it for salvation. Salvation is a time when that same child will fall on a face or his face before God and say, Lord, I believe. I believe. I believe. But let them memorize. It's not an excellent thing. Let them memorize. Okay? Because it is written in the book of Samuel in chapter 3 that Samuel still did not know God. He had not heard from God. But he knew. He knew he was right there with the high priest doing all the rituals in the temple. He knew how to do it all. But God hadn't spoken to him yet. Hadn't spoken to him yet. So we need to understand. Okay? So we need to ask, have I come out of Egypt? Have I passed through the wilderness? Don't assume these things. Not even I. Don't, don't assume these things. Go ask your father. The Holy Spirit, he is the only one who knows the truth about ourselves. Even we ourselves don't know the truth about ourselves. That is why we say the worst deception is self-deception. We don't know. Go ask God. He will tell you. Lord, where am I in this journey? Am I still in Egypt? Am I just knowing my head I'm not really saved? It's a very most dangerous place to be. It's safer to be in the wilderness than to be in Egypt. Or am I in the wilderness? Or have I crossed the wilderness, survived the wilderness, and have entered into the promised land? Okay. Have I entered into the promised land? Okay. Remember. Okay. Remember. Okay. And as we come to the close for today's study, okay, kind of coming to the close, remember, everything is put across to us in the old covenant to understand new covenant truths in terms of types. Okay, for every battle, every battle, you need strength. For strength, you need food. Simple, you need food. For every battle, you need strength. For every strength, you need food. So, if you turn to Exodus chapter 16, verse 15, then verse 31, 33 and 35. When the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Verse 31. And the house of Israel called its name manna, and it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Verse 33. And Moses said to Aaron, take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generation. Meaning every generation of believers will have to eat manna in your wilderness journey. 35. 
And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now it is written, it's consecrated food. It is God has given it to them. But it was actually meant only for the wilderness journey. It was not meant for 40 years. Okay. I was not supposed to read Good News Bible all my life. I was not supposed to be drinking milk all my life. It was a very short journey. God in his wisdom took them for two years. They were supposed to eat manna only for two years. But they ended up eating manna for how many years? 40 years. It was a food meant for a particular phase of their salvation journey. It was only for the wilderness. Now if you go to Numbers chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, we remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onion. So something else. This, this, see, God is teaching us through symbols. This is food. What is this food? This is the food they ate in Egypt. So when they were in Egypt, when they had no power to rescue themselves from slavery, from bondage, we had no power to escape from sin, the nature, sin nature. We had a diet in Egypt, which is cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic and fish. Okay, So there is a food we ate before we were saved. Simple question to ask is that. There were so many things we did before we were saved. And now in this wilderness journey, if you are in the journey, are you still longing for that? That's the question. That's the question. That's No, because if you don't know, you don't know what battle you are in, which battlefield you are in, what are you fighting for, what is the food I need to fight. Because for every battle you need strength. And for strength, provision of food is given. So if you are in the wilderness and you're always longing for the things which you ate before. Before. In modern terms, the music which you listened before. The books which you read before. The movies which you watched before. The friends you had before. If that is your diet... Then it doesn't matter who comes and preaches to you. It will only be like manna. And after some time, you will see my whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all. Why has your soul dried up? Even though you are eating manna, heavenly food, it's because what are you longing for? That's how it works. Because we are talking about deliverance. We are talking about building battles. We are talking about overcoming. We are talking about possessing our possessions. But there is a journey. What is that you long for? That's why we had these old songs when we got saved. How is that? Things which I used to do, I do no more. No, it was an EU song. Pastor Vijay is going for an EU camp. I learned all these things in the EU. Okay, I forgot that song. The things which I used to do, I do no more. The tune is like that. I can find out probably. Search on Google. They're all Googlers, no? It's no. Think about it. 
We need to ask. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes when you go to the doctor and you are ill, the doctor will say, what did you eat? What did you eat? See, there are different diagnostic tools. What did you eat? No, I had only soup. Okay, you ate soup. Where did you eat soup? Home or restaurant? No, neither home nor restaurant. I had soup in the train. Okay, that's why you are sick. Because if you had soup in your home, which your mother made, you would not have been sick. Because every kitchen in the home, there is one board that is missing. No entry. Every restaurant, one board is there. You cannot enter into the kitchen because they don't want you to know how they make the stuff you eat. That's why in the restaurants you have ambience and dim lights and all that and you have bright lights in your mother's kitchen. You don't need ambience there. You're welcome to inspect. Because if you know what you eat, what you're longing for, you will know where you are in this battle. Where you are. For Because for Different food for different people. People who are bodies in the desert, mind is in Egypt, is thinking about Egypt. They are not going to go anywhere. I will have simple examples we say. How long will you drive forward if you look in the rear view mirror and drive? You will become like Lord's wife, a pillar of salt. Because she looked back. She was going forward but looking backwards. She turned into a pillar of salt. Okay. Be careful. These are all lessons. Joshua chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. They ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then manna ceased. On the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Did you see that? By the time one set had come through the desert. Come across river Jordan. Gone through the process which had, their food changed. They are no longer eating manna. They are no longer eating manna. They are no longer drinking the milk of God's word. They are starting to eat meat. Because if you don't eat meat, remember, this is important, because your food determines your victory. They haven't fought a single battle. The battle is lying in the front. But before they can go to the battle, God has changed their diet. A lot of people drink milk and go to fight Jericho and they get beaten. Walls never come down. They are beaten and defeated by the Canaanites, the seven nations which are greater than you. And God says, where did I go wrong? God says, you're eating the wrong food. You're not equipped to fight. That was for the wilderness. That was not for the promised land. That was not for the promised land. This is where we need to understand these things. Okay. Understand these things. And that's what God is talking about. Because the problem is, we forget the promise. What was the promise? Exodus 3, 8, the promise. I have come down. This is God telling Moses. Okay, before he goes into Egypt, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them from the land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with what? That was supposed what we were supposed to eat. That was supposed to be a life full of what does milk give you? 
it gives you strength what does honey give you it gives you sweetness you take milk and you had honey stir it nicely and drink what happens you get strength and you have sweetness he said that is the life i was offering you a life of strength and a life of sweetness but that is in the land the problem is in that land there are squatters who are the squatters the canaanites the hittites the amorites the perizzites and the hivites and the jebusites you have to fight them and i will fight them with you and we will drive them out of that land but you forgot about that completely you forgot the promise behold i have come this devil comes to steal to kill to destroy but i have come to give you life and life in abundance this is the promise this is the promise but that life comes only when you have defeated the seven nations and for the seven nations there's a change of diet and then once you have overcome there's a change in your life go to joshua chapter 5 and verse 6 The children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us what is that land a land flowing with milk and honey okay so if you look at there there are four diets mentioned here one leeks and onions and garlic and fish and meat all that's the food of egypt wilderness manna cross river jordan to fight the battles is the produce of the land and then when you have overcome god gave them rest on all sides and they are dwelling in the land flowing with milk strength and with honey sweetness this is what we need to understand this is what we are fighting this book the book of warfare the book of warfare how do we fight these battles how do we fight these battles and god is this is a teaching manual and there is the holy spirit who is our teacher and we have to make our decisions has god lord where am i today am i saved am i saved no am i saved am i in egypt am i in egypt because if you are in egypt you will know why because you like the things of egypt you don't like the price you have to pay for it you like the product see the difference you don't like the price you have to pay for it you have like uh, the kids living in my house wandered slippers so my told sami can you take them to sami took them to sketchers <laughs> they walked around sketchers and quickly came out and said when they looked at the price they came out. they like the product they like the product but they didn't like the price see that's a problem the devil offers you the product the price is slavery price is slavery he who is a slave of sin is a slave 
But the son is free. The son abides in the house forever. Okay. So please get these pictures correctly. Young people, very, very clear. Okay. Even the little ones, you need to understand we have little ones, they're very, very protected. Our little ones are very protected. We have put a ring around them at home, at school, at church, put a ring around them. And they are only very carefully given prescribed diet. That does not mean they are saved. But it's very good. It's very good. It's very good protective wall around them and they're being fed. But each one of them has to encounter God one-on-one. It will be easier for them to encounter. But it will also be easier for them to detest God. It's a double danger over there. That's why we keep telling, at some point, we'll have to slowly loosen the cord. If you don't loosen the cord, if you put a tight cord around them, what will do? God will cut the cord. Who cut Joseph's cord? God did. Because overprotective father will cut the cord and send him to Egypt. Send him to Egypt. God didn't send any one of the other ten because they would have been destroyed in Egypt. But send this one into Egypt. Otherwise, the problem is, you know what, if you grow protective all your life like Joseph, you have never been tested. You will never, ever know whether you could ever become an overcomer. Never know. So God released him. He went there and became an overcomer. Okay, so understand these pictures. The Bible, I said, it's, I mean, it's the most wonderful book and often people find it boring it's because they are not able to find it living and it is god who makes it living even if you find it boring see with with god you never have to be afraid to tell the truth because god is truth if you find reading the bible listening and all that a chore go to god and say lord i find it boring lord i find that i find it very boring could you make it interesting for me please Suddenly you will realize, you know, but like I said, because we were all teachers who taught, I taught from school to undergraduation to PG students. Every level I have taught. From KG, from LKG. I taught LKG when I was in class 6. Because when there was a teacher absent, my father called me, sent a strip with the pune and said, call my son and said, you take over class 6. Class LKG, UKG. And it was interesting because I was probably the size uh, smaller than Joanna or, I mean, they are all very tall. I was a small little boy studying in class six, entering into LKG, all the students standing up and saying, good morning, sir. I felt in heaven. Okay. So my teaching days started very early. Okay. So you, but look at God as a teacher. How, how, how simple and how kind is he? Like if you read, like I said, you can see, see, this is fundamental issue with people. If you do not see in your heart's eye always that God is always good, you will not come out of your mess. You have to believe there's something about God. He can never change. He's always good. Do you know when all the people 
whose names are not in the book of life, who went with the devil and did, and when he cast them into hell, he's still being good, he's not being evil, he's just being just. You need to understand the difference being just and evil. God is never evil, he can never be tempted by evil. So never ever utter this thing, God is evil. God is bad towards me, because he cannot be bad, because he's always good. But he's just. He's just. So don't ever, because this is the most fundamental thing which you need to have if you have to survive this life. You know what, like Job, all the things that are happening in his life is calamity after calamity after calamity. Yet he says, even if you slay me, I will only serve you. Why? You're the only one who's good. You are good. And I know even after this flesh is destroyed, I will see you. Because you are good. Because a lot of people, when they go through life's troubles and they are till their eyebrows, they are swimming in trouble and trials. They start questioning like Naomi, the goodness of God. That's why in James, James will say, God is never tempted by evil. You have to Put it the other way. Rewrite that sentence with good. God is always good. Always good. But he's always just. Always just. Okay, so put these things together. We'll be able to fight at our own personal. These are personal battles. I'm talking about personal battles, not corporate battles. Personal battles. Okay, remember what I said in the message? Even you heard yesterday. A message, like a new pastor message, a very, very powerful message to us about, talk about, you know, the hidden things. But I told you in the morning, everything that is hidden is not bad. It's not bad. Rehab, the prostitute, the Canaanite prostitute, hid too in our house, and she and the household was redeemed. Akan, the Israelite, hid two things. Metal and clothes, accursings, and he was destroyed. So it is not that I shouldn't hide anything. There are a lot of things you should hide. The things of God should be hidden. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Your prayer life, you should have a public prayer life that is good. But more than that, you should have a private prayer life. You should have a public fasting life, corporate, you should have a Private fasting life. You should be a generous person in public, but you should have a private, secret, hidden giving life. All these hidden things are good. Okay? And God puts these pictures in this manual called the book of Joshua, which is all warfare. One who hid and was redeemed, and one who hid who was destroyed. Get this picture, and you will realize, you know what? Like I said, at the end of the day, even if you haven't read any other book in life, read this. Read this. Equipped for now and forevermore. That's why they call the Bible has basic instructions before leaving. It's a book that actually prepares you for eternity. Amen? Let's have Peter. Let's pray. Battle belongs to the Lord. The
weapons that fashion against us will stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. In heavenly armor will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us shall stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. We sing. Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Lord, we commit. This day, this time, all your people here, everywhere into thy hands, O Lord. Father, we just thank you, thank you. We plead the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, Lord. We come by and through the blood. It is just the blood. 
nothing but the blood the blood of jesus the blood of jesus the blood of jesus over amma lord at home as she is there lord on the bed father struggling father but lord you are there beside her because you said lord you will never leave us nor forsake us you will be always with us now to the end forevermore oh father thank you lord and all it is because of the blood lord if it wasn't for the blood of your son lord we would have never come through father it was impossible for a fallen man to save himself lord you worked out salvation with your right hand we thank you father you destroyed the power of pharaoh and you brought us out with your mighty hand oh lord we thank you we thank you we thank you lord all we had to do was believe in the blood apply the blood and stay under the blood and come out father thank you thank you thank you father thank you lord thank you this morning father i commit every situation into thy hands everybody's lives we commit into thy hands be with us lord be with us be with us be with us lord we take authority in the name of jesus the authority that you have given us we bind every power of darkness every spirit of infirmity every spirit of death everything that hovers around to deceive to attack to steal to kill to destroy we bind you in the name of jesus there is no power in our name but we know the power of that name the name above every other name we bind in the name of jesus the name above all names jesus 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 we bind in the name of jesus we release the power of god the life of god the strength of god into every life for you are our portion now and forevermore oh lord you are our life you are the length of our days you are our victory lord If you are not of a victory faith cannot be become victory because by faith we partake of your very life lord so we magnify jesus today we magnify jesus magnify jesus we lift jesus lift jesus we lift jesus above all our situations everywhere jesus 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 for at the name of jesus every knee shall bow every tongue confess that jesus is lord for in heaven there is only one lord and in our lives and in our churches there can be only one lord the lordship of the holy spirit who enforces the lordship of god and jesus when you have subdued all your enemies under your feet even death itself you will hand the kingdom over to your father so god will be in all and over all we long for that day father we long for that day but in the meantime we are called to fight these battles lord so many out there fighting public battles and private battles lord and you have equipped us for both so i plead the blood of jesus that's where it begins for they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimonies and they did not love their lives even unto death the blood the blood the blood of jesus the blood of jesus the blood of jesus the blood of jesus oh the blood of jesus our ace and his household rg and his household brad c keith mq and their households all our pastors around the world and their households and our churches 
Every household. The blood, the blood, the blood. And our word of our testimony is, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God did not spare his only son for us, how much more with him he will give us all things. For nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. For in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That's our testimony. That's our testimony. Who dare condemn us? For it is Christ who justifies. For greater is he that is in us than who is in the world. We stand. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against us in judgment, in sorcery, in witchcraft, in occult, in rituals, we condemn it in the name of Jesus. We cast it down in the name of Jesus. Instead, we exalt the name of Jesus. Exalt the words he has spoken about every situation. For you have magnified your word about all your name. It is forever settled in the heavens, now and forevermore, O oh Father. We magnify Jesus. Let him have preeminence in all things, O oh God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord, thank you. Let this week be a week of not just battles, but of victory. Of victory. For your word says you take us in triumph in Christ Jesus. Every day in and every place, O oh Lord. Let our eyes be upon you. Let our lives be hidden in you. And you will take us in victory even now, Lord. By faith we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name, we bless your holy name, we bless your holy name, Lord. And we stand in your house and we proclaim, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. God bless you. Go back home and listen again.